Hello there, this is Guru talking to you about Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain how. First off, it is absolutely free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more providers. You can also make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hello there, this is Guru talking to you about anchor.fm. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First off, it's completely free. Second, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will also distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast as well with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hello, everybody. And welcome to uh, the Ballistic Podcast, live from San Jose, California. I'm your co-host, Guru Ram Prakash, bringing you another episode of the Ballistic Podcast. And along with me, live, sitting right next to me in the comfort of his own home in San Jose, California, is my good friend Vikram Kant. Vikram, it's great to see you live again, and uh, it's great to talk basketball with you in person. Absolutely, man. We have to dissect uh, the unfortunate fall of the Warriors dynasty and celebrate our new champions, the Toronto Raptors. Oh, okay. <laughs> now, to start this, did you hear that over half of Canada was watching the finals this year? I'm not surprised. I mean, like they, they better. Their, their team is in the finals for the first time in history, and for congratulations to the Absolutely. Toronto Raptors. Congratulations to Masai Ujiri. For making some great moves, man. Yeah, for, that that midseason acquisition of Marcus. Masai Gasol. Ujiri, Nick Nurse, Kawhi Leonard, the entire Raptors organization who have worked tirelessly yep, and, to build uh, this championship team with not much draft capital, actually. They, yeah. they, they, they've gotten unlucky, unlucky in the draft lottery. And uh, and OG was hurt. Can't uh, say that. Take, OG take that and away. OG was hurt, but that, that didn't really make a difference for them. They were able to find... Uh, great production from their depth guys. Fred Van Vliet. Killed it. Yeah, he killed Fred it. Fred Van Vliet killed Undrafted it. Undrafted Fred Van Vliet. And yeah, when, Wichita State should teach people some things. Maybe you should look at those guys. Yeah. I think there are a lot of undrafted piece, people in the NBA that deserve good looks. I mean, I think... Alonzo Trier. Yeah, you look at yeah. that. Um, Alonzo McKinney. Alfonso McKinney. Yeah. Uh, looking at Quinn Cook. Like, all these guys. There's a lot of talent out there. Like, Daniel House this year. I think there are so many different players that... You know who aren't necessarily drafted that are really providing good value. Uh, going back a little ways, like Garrett Temple was undrafted. So I mean, he's one of the best players that would have come out in that year's draft. So I mean, they're still left in the NBA. So yeah, I, I think and, that's and, the and big it, it, moral of the story. It really takes effort to scout those guys. Absolutely, and uh, bring bring them along and uh, make them a part of a playoff rotation. And uh, the Raptors did so, and they were able to build out their depth that way. And that's that's one of the reasons why they were able to beat the depthless Golden State Warriors and um, you know they, this that will always be the story of the series uh, more more than the Raptors winning the, the Warriors, Warriors injuries probably so yeah I mean and it's it, I mean it's not not to discredit the Raptors in any way they well, did win the series yeah they're, I, I they are the believe, champions I, I don't I, believe in putting an asterisk I think we're yes, on the same page there yeah the no problem asterisk. is I do think that people will remember this as an asterisk uh, because of the the spate of injuries, Kevin Durant not playing, uh, Clay Thompson being unavailable uh, in large part in two of the in two of the games, plus a quarter in another game. I mean, you're really talking about you know the dire straits for the Warriors. I actually think the fact that they made this a six game series is quite amazing, uh, and it speaks to the strength of their overall dynasty. The strength of their dynasty, and also the the courage of their own players. Yeah, to come yeah. in. Yeah, for sure, and uh, I mean that's that's sort of what it takes to win a championship year after year. Yeah, like, several like they, championships. Yeah, yeah. I mean they, their their playoff experience definitely showed in that way, but at the end of the day, you do need players. Yeah, so. I mean it's not enough to be playing minimum players. There is a point in in game four or five where they were playing like five minimum players on the floor at the same time. Right. Like this is absurd. It is legitimately absurd 
the depths to which the Warriors had to go to even t- find five players to put on the floor. It was amazing. Like this, this is a penultimate moment in NBA history, one of them at least, in in the sense that the Warriors, who were a dynasty, lost two of their best players, probably for next for all of next year, and this in effect ends the dynasty because uh, the 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 two players who I mean Kevin Durant and Clay Thompson, you know, they. They they have I mean they have a lot of stock in the Warriors' success, right? And and because of that, people I mean other teams have changed their plans. This has created an amazing ripple effect throughout, throughout the, the NBA. NBA. Yeah, uh, I think the first ripple effect we should probably talk about is I think the Rockets need to keep their team together. Uh, without the Warriors in their way, I'd highly expect the Rockets to make the Western Conference and I was, Finals. I was just about to make, yeah, I was just about to make that point because do, I think it was during the NBA Finals or during the Conference Finals, there were there were talks coming out that all the Raptors players are on the training block. All the block. Rockets players. All the Rockets players. Oh, sorry, all the Rockets players, my bad. Yeah, we're, on the, we're on the training block, including Chris Paul. Uh, and, I mean, of course, they were, they were never going to trade James Harden. But, you know, the fact that Chris Paul was on the trading block was, was a very surprising thing. You would wonder... I'm not really that surprised. That well, you'd wonder what awful. they would get for him. Yeah, I mean, like, I, he, he's, he's one of the worst contracts in the NBA. I'm not sure you're going to be able to move off of him for any real asset. But now that this has happened to the Warriors, it allows them to take their finger off the reset button. Absolutely. I think the Rockets have to keep it together and go again. Go again. Because they know that their recipe can beat anybody except the Warriors. And I mean, I don't even know that the Warriors are going to make the playoffs. I mean, probably. I think Steph Steph is going to be a top five MVP candidate next year. I can't imagine that uh, he's not, especially when he's going to be the only focal point of the offense. Because the Warriors' cap situation is pretty dire, right? It's not like, uh, I mean, we'll see what Clay Thompson and Kevin Durant They're, do in terms of coming back. But yeah. I at least expect Clay to come back. I don't. I don't see why he would take any other offer other than the Warriors. Their their cap situation is a big reason why they would probably have to give both Clay Thompson and. Kevin Durant, max contract. They've already indicated that. I think Brian yes. Windhorst reported that, that, yeah. uh, that the Warriors are going to extend both of them five-year maxes commensurate with what they're able to get. Yes. Uh, I, I, like I said, I suspect Clay will take that. Uh, as for Kevin Durant, it really depends on what he wants. In theory, he could even take that option, although that's a, a last-case resort. I think it's much more likely that he either takes the five-year max from the Warriors or takes the max from somebody else. So I think that's the, the overall thing. It's really sad, though, that we're, we're talking about the Warriors <laughs> instead of the Raptors here. Yeah. But I think the big thing is, I think the general feeling is, but for these injuries, the Raptors probably wouldn't have won. Which isn't to say that Kawhi Leonard wasn't amazing, especially himself not being 100%. And, and, I the, think and the Raptors the as a part. team did not, I mean... They, it's not like, oh, they, they played mediocre, mediocrely, but the Warriors were just injured. They played well. Yeah, the they, Raptors they, did what they were they, supposed to do. you got to yeah. give them a lot of credit. Yeah. But ultimately, the limitations on the Warriors' side were, were systemically too much. I think what I talked about in the last podcast. Like, I didn't think that there was a good way for the Warriors to really defend or play offense, given the personnel that they had on the floor. I mean, to even be close in that game, Andre Iguodala had to you know, take a throwback performance back to like the early 2000s. Back to his uh, Philadelphia 76ers days. And, and and that's part of it for the Warriors because a, a couple of big pieces in their dynasty run were Sean Livingston and Andre Iguodala. And uh, Sean Livingston is very much expected to retire after this year. He, his contract is a four-year contract with an option after the second year. And uh, it it either sounds like Sean Livingston is just going to hang it hang it up, but he's had an amazing career. Absolutely, given, given that the, injury, yeah, given the injury, given the circumstances that he had to go through, uh, and uh, Andre Iguodala, he has one year left on his contract, and there's a good chance that he'll retire after that year. So the Warriors have to work on replacing those pieces with depth. With and that 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 is the toughest part, really. It's more than replacing the star players; it's replacing those guys. Well, you know, those we guys expect, who are willing to do the dirty work. Yeah, I mean, we expect the Warriors to have at least the threesome of Draymond Green, Steph Curry, and Clay Thompson moving forward uh, for how, however long that their primes last or their post prime period. I still suspect they'll be a competitive team. Uh, maybe not next year because of the lack of Clay Thompson and Kevin Durant, but at least the year following. But I, I do believe this team is still talented enough right now to make it to the playoffs. And, and once and you get in the playoffs, how how well do you want to play Steph Curry for seven games? And it depends on what they do with their taxpayer mid-level or who's willing to come to the Warriors for the minimum. 
to, you know, have like a prove it deal sort of thing. Like, I don't know, a Dion Waiters sort of guy who's going to be given a starting spot right away. They were talking about Dion Waiters and the Warriors. That would be an interesting that fit. Would, that would be I mean, very... they, they need a shot chucker right now. <laughs> I mean, uh, DeMarcus Cousins coming back would be really interesting. It would be pretty interesting. I think uh, it would work out well for him, actually, because A, you get another prove it year if you want to do that, and uh, B, you get pretty much all the touches you could possibly want. Yeah, and, and, and all the touches you would want in a prove it year. And hey, he has to focus on this summer getting getting healthy. Yeah, I don't so. I don't expect anybody to offer him a large contract. I think he's not. I mean, the level that he played, which was impressive given the the extent of the injuries he's suffered, I just don't think it was particularly high or high enough where somebody's going to offer him real money at this point. Yeah, and I I think you're right on the money there. I mean, I'd uh, rather have Brook Lopez, right? In in most systems, right? If you're going to offer a center serious money. I think Brook Lopez is probably your better bet right now. Brook Lopez, Willie Cauley Stein's also a free agent. I'd rather um, have Demarcus than Willie Cauley Stein. Uh, yeah, okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah, Nikola Vucevic is a free agent. I mean, like, yeah, I'd, I'd rather he's have probably going to be staying too. in Orlando. At least I would hope Orlando is considering keeping him. Uh, I would him. hope, but it's it's all money thing. If Vucevic is smart, he'll know that he's not going to really make the max anywhere. I don't think that uh, I don't think the Magic should even give him a max contract. I think that his his free agency is going to be one of the interesting inflection points of the summer, because his contract is going to tell us what a, an all star you know or a fringe all star big man is really worth right now, uh, and I suspect it's going to be a lot lower than people people think. Yeah, and or yeah. the Magic are going to overpay him, which is totally possible, but it would be bad on their part. And. Uh... The Magic have not had, a, had an all-star since Dwight Howard. That's true. And, and, and that, that's part of the thing, right? It's not only being a small market. And they made it to the playoffs, right? Like that, It was, a, it it was a good year for them. And they took a game off the Raptors, the champion Raptors, somehow, <laughs> somehow. on the road. you know. Uh, and, and they have Markel Fultz. And, the, you know, yeah. so Markel Fultz's recovery is going to be one of the most interesting things for me because I, I hope he can succeed. Uh, I hope that injury resolves itself in a way that allows him to be a productive NBA player. But I'll be honest, even with with the injury, I think he'd still be a better backup point guard than like Jerry and Grant, which is really sad to say, but it's kind of that sad for the for the Magic right now. So going back to the Warriors for for a second, um god, what was I going what was I going to ask you? Oh my god, it, it just came to my mind and it just it really just escaped me. Okay. Oh god. Uh okay. Given okay, this was this was my question. I got it now. Given that you know the Warriors are not going to be as good next year, and the race to the championship is supposed supposedly wide open, will the ratings in the regular season increase? I think it will increase because of other exciting teams like the Pelicans getting Zion, the Lakers getting Anthony Davis, which we'll talk about a little later today. Uh, I think that there's going to be a lot of intrigue with other teams. But as we've kind of joined the NBA media landscape, I feel like the storylines are almost just as, if not more, interesting than uh, than the actual games at a certain point. Like this exercise of team building and cap and all of this stuff is super interesting. Uh, but we're, we're kind of removing the product off the floor. But I think that because of the expansion of the NBA to the international markets, uh, specifically the fact that an international team won the NBA championship, I think the international appeal and the ratings from that perspective are only going to grow for the NBA. And in fact, this was probably the best outcome in terms of the growth for the NBA that they could have possibly have to organically have a foreign team. I mean, the only foreign team uh, actually win a championship is, is really, really good for the NBA brand and takes it beyond just American basketball to more of an international feel. Yeah, going, going back to the initial point you made, they say that the NBA season for the media starts in June. Dude, the NBA season for the media is the entire year, man. Yeah. This is amazing. Yeah, but it, it, start, but, it, but it starts in June, it goes into July, and this is where guys like Adrian Wojnarowski, Shams Charania, uh, this is where they make their money. Heck yeah, man. Yeah, and, and this is why the NBA is really exciting. And... We hope to bring that excitement to you through the Ballistic Podcast. We will be having episodes every week following the draft, following free agency. In fact, we want to have our own little mock draft uh, before uh, before the actual draft starts. So that's that, that'll be fun. But uh, before that, the, the ripple effect that the Warriors crea- created, I mean, through their injuries, through supposedly the end of their dynasty, has been amazing. And we've already started to see the results of that. And uh, Vikram, you want to take it over since you are a Lakers fan. 
Yeah, well, it's nice when you're a Lakers and a Warriors fan because you're a California guy because it's incredibly convenient. But the big news of the day is the Lakers have successfully completed their trade for Anthony Davis. Uh, let's give the exact parameters of the trade here. So, the Pelicans will receive the following picks along with uh, Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, and Brandon Hart, or Josh Hart, excuse me, wow. Uh, they're receiving the following picks, the number four pick in 2019, a top eight protected pick in 2021 that will become unprotected in 2022 in the case that it does not convey in 2021, an unprotected swap in 2023, an unprotected first in 2024, and an unprotected swap in 2025. Uh, that's a lot of picks here and a way not to, an interesting way not to violate the Stepien rule. <laughs> But uh, which that's the rule for for all of our listeners that are not uh, familiar with uh, the idea that you cannot trade first round picks in consecutive years. And so in order to avoid that situation, the uh, Lakers and the Pelicans agreed to a number of pick swaps and uh, unprotected picks in the even years. So that's uh, that's essentially what occurred there. Uh, in terms of my general analysis for the Pelicans and the Lakers, I actually think this is a pretty decent trade for both teams. Uh, starting from the Pelicans side, I think a pairing of Lonzo and Zion Williamson is, is fantastic. I think that works really well. A backcourt of, of uh, Drew Holiday and Lonzo Ball is going to be incredibly ball hawkish, and it's going to be a very, very talented defensive backcourt, assuming Lonzo can stay healthy. Uh, I think Brandon Ingram will be able to continue his development in, uh, in Alvin Gentry's system on the Pelicans. I think that's a very valuable thing for them. So I think the Pelicans now need to figure out what they want to do at the center position because I imagine Zion should and will uh, start his career as a four. I'm not sure he's an every night wanna wanna bang down low as a center player. So it's fun to watch him play center. Well, it's especially really in college, it is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think it'll. I think this is going to be such an exciting team, and I think the Pelicans have a chance to be really, really good. And depending on what happens with the Lakers longer term. Uh, those pick swaps and those unprotected picks may be really, really valuable. Uh, conversely, it is very possible that the, the Lakers have set themselves up for success because it appears that this is one good way to get Anthony Davis as your franchise player for a number of years. And, and, and uh, what I would say is that to people who say that, oh, the Anthony Davis trade would have happened whether or not the Warriors got injured or not, I think the, the Warriors getting to to the point where i mean every 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 team is now competitive in the uh, in the west in, at least in, in the west right and, and and this accelerated the development of this trade i would think and uh it turns out the lakers are top of the odds for winning the championship next year already already what already man dude, dude we need we need to make a trip to reno dude we need to make a trip to every single betting location we possibly can to bet against the lakers <laughs> 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 the idea that somehow they're going to be a championship team next year to me is uh, is certainly a little suspect. I mean, I, I look at the Pelicans, right, as a team that has a lot of opportunities. And the reason I want to go back here is because I think that their trajectory is fascinating with the number one and the number four pick. Uh, you know, there are a lot of different things that they can do with that number four pick. Yeah. I mean, a couple of things I would consider if I was David Griffin, and I'm sure he is, uh, of course, is trying to flip that pick for a different player. Uh, veteran player, which was his preferred outcome, but obviously that didn't materialize uh, at the moment with another team. And I think it was smart for him to strike while the iron was hot and get uh, every piece of leverage he could from the Lakers. Uh, I think that there are some options to trade maybe with the Hawks if they want to move up for a particular player and pick up a couple picks or trade with the Celtics and pick up their first round picks uh, or even draft a player at number four. I'm just not sure who that would be for them because for them. I don't think yeah. they need Darius Garland as interesting a player as he is. I don't see them needing RJ Barrett or, or Jared Cam Culver, Red, or Reddish. Cam Reddish or Jackson Hayes or there are a lot of options DeAndre there. Hunter. Like I just, Wait, from, when you're confused about the options, it's best you trade down. That's exactly what I would say is yeah. if you don't or, have a particular player, you might as well or draft Bobo and just see, yeah. see, what, happens. <laughs> see what happens. Right. <laughs> uh, but I think that number four pick is a nice little, is a nice little trade piece. But it does save the Lakers the the issue of having to pick a select a player. But overall, I think the Pelicans are set up really, really well for the future. And uh, I think under the auspices of David Griffin, they will be a much, much better run team than under Dell Demps. Yeah, David Griffin has only been there for a month, and he's already made great moves. He he, I mean, who did he hire as a GM? He he, he hired someone for somebody from the from the Nets, right? God, he he, he was somebody very. 
Well, very, suffice very it to say that they've done a really good job here. Right. I think the biggest thing that David Griffin has done... Oh, Trajan Langdon. That's right, yeah. Yeah, Trajan Langdon. That... So here's the interesting thing for me, yeah. which is really sad, but it looks like this package is worse than the package they would have got at the trade deadline of last year. Yes. <laughs> because they didn't get Kyle Kuzma, and they were going to get four first-round uh, first unprotected And, and guess what? The Pelicans called the Celtics back, and... It seems that not everybody was available. Who oh, knew? surprise, surprise, right? Who knew? And yes. it turns out that Dell Demps really shit the bet on this one. Guys, we have over 20 years of examples. Don't trust Danny Ainge. If Danny Ainge is promising you a trade package involving draft picks, think twice. Because so. he has held on to his draft picks even as they've accumulated so much over the years, a first-round pick cannot even make his team. Uh, this is this is the most hilarious part. The Celtics have three first-round picks this year, and there there's nothing they can really do with them because they don't really need to add more players to their roster. Those players may not even make the team. No, no those players are going to make the team. The first-round picks that they drafted a couple of years ago are the players who are going to not make their team. Maybe, maybe not. It depends yeah. on the first-round players. I think the Celtics are certainly a move-up type of team. If I were them, I would be looking to move up and you know take a swing at Bull Bull like that. I think the Celtics are are a team that project well to pick somebody like him, especially if they keep their multiple picks. Right. I, and, I think that's absolutely what they should do. And given that you know Kyrie Irving is probably gone, uh, and at least that's what that's what people say. You know, it's it would be good to get the, get a good solid piece. Yeah, I mean, it's at the top uh, of the draft for them, but he's never done that. Danny Ainge has never done this. Yeah, I mean, He's besides never moving his, down, for right? For some reason, he holds his picks like it's like like they're, they're his like firstborn, idols. right? Like yeah, exactly. I, I don't know what the uh, what the future holds for the Celtics, but I I feel very uncomfortable with where they are right now. Uh, that might just be because I'm not as high on Jason Tatum as a lot of people are. I mean, as good as he is, I I have a hard time seeing him as something more than an All Star. Which you know is still a really good it's player. It's still a really but... good player. I mean, and he, they got him at number three, and 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 like this is why I am very que queasy about Danny Ainge and draft picks. When Danny Ainge had the number one pick, he traded down to number three to get more draft picks. I mean, this is like he. Well, I mean, but it was a good trade, right? He got he got his player at number three. He he, he he did get his player at number three. I I I totally I totally agree. But this this has been a pattern for him personally. I, I would be. I would be pleasantly surprised if he traded up in this draft. I mean, he should. He needs to, though. He definitely should. I mean, if there's any player he thinks is going to help, uh, help, not really, I can't really call it a rebuild, but I guess a retooling for the Celtics. And uh, I think this is going to make the contract extension talks for Terry Rozier really interesting. Yeah. And uh, I think what they do with Al Horford's remaining years are, are going to be interesting. I, I suspect that they'll try to bring him back for longer on a lower annual salary. I think that's got to be the move for the Celtics uh, in terms of retaining him. But uh, an, Alfred, uh, an Al Horford that's getting long in the tooth, along with Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum and Terry Rozier uh, and Gordon Haver, whatever he comes back with. And my hope is the second year following his injury, he will be much better. And I think this summer where he'll be able to heal and not just heal, but also work on some of the stuff that he was struggling with this year and kind of regain some of his athleticism. I think that will be really valuable for him. Similar to what we were saying about DeMarcus Cousins, really trying to take the summer to uh, to get back in full basketball conditioning and shape and get that level of requisite athleticism back. Yeah, so how did we get to the Celtics? Oh yeah, they did not get Anthony Davis. Yep, exactly. Yes, okay. So, okay. But in, in a yeah. sense, this is really important, right? But this is a failure for the Celtics again, right? Like what's the point of having all of this draft capital and these assets if you never use them? I mean, say what you may about the Lakers being mismanaged, and, and they have been. Uh, the couple of things that they've done really well is they've drafted fairly well. I mean, the idea that your picks, your your Josh Hart, your Lonzo Ball, and your Brandon Ingram. I think they're—I yeah. they, mean, they've had the number two pick for consecutive years now. And they, but again, they could have picked Hashim Thabit. They could have yeah. picked Darko Milicic. I mean, I mean, that's, I, mean I, I would never want to hold a franchise to that sort of standard. Yeah, I mean, yes, but you can screw it up is the point, right? Yeah. And I think the fact that they haven't screwed up is is good. And they've gotten solid pieces that other teams are at least somewhat interested in. And the one asset that they wanted to keep, they managed to keep in this trade, and that was Kyle Kuzma. And so now the question begins, 
how do you build a team around these pieces with you got the one max slot you got a little bit of wiggle room under the uh, under the cap i heard that the trade is not going to happen until late late july so that the the lakers still have money under the cap yeah it's going to be very very smart yeah and then i believe they get full rights on anthony davis so they can offer him the the max after next year yeah so that's the yeah they should and i think that's the way that they're going to play this but here's the thing you know, I don't trust this front office to put the right pieces around this team at all. Yeah, I mean, his name starts with Rob and ends with Polinka. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it seems one of the other targets for the Lakers, which I thought was actually really smart, was uh, was Derek Favors. Ah, oh, okay. And I think that yeah. that's actually a really good big man pairing with Anthony Davis, uh, somebody who can play with Anthony Davis, can play off the bench as well, uh, can take up a lot of minutes at either the four and the five. I think that's a really really good idea for the Lakers actually to sign Derek Favors if he does not get his option picked up by Utah, which I suspect he won't. That 16 mil is, is pretty steep for, for Derek Favors, who is absolutely a good player, but the value of, of centers and power forwards that have that old school kind of game is not uh, not particularly high, considering I don't think he brings any super special skill set to the table. So I think, but I think he's a good target for the Lakers. But if I was the Lakers, my number one target now uh, would be Chris Middleton. I think he would be a, a very good complement for uh, LeBron and AD. And if he's not going to return to the Bucks, the Lakers should absolutely see if they can acquire him. Absolutely. I, I, I love Chris Middleton. I've said it multiple times on this show how much I like him. And yeah, that, that would be a, a good ad for the Lakers. That would be a championship piece. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. They, they, that's, that, the I mean, fit would be amazing. The fit would be amazing. Just I mean, you need somebody ability. who can shoot. You need somebody who can, can defend his position on the wing. Uh, the question I think for me is is really going to be who do the Lakers acquire at point guard? I think that's the big like that's the big question mark for me. Or do they're, they finally go to LeBron at point guard? And that's that's all. People are do. talking about Kemba Walker. Yeah, but would yeah. I? As much as I love Kemba, he's he recently indicated he would take less money to stay with Charlotte oh, to dear. help them put a better team on the floor. I <laughs> would never say that before free agency. I'm like, dude, why, Kemba? They have they have squandered you. No, they I mean, have not put a playoff team really around you. I, I don't I do not mind Kemba staying in Charlotte, by the way. I mean I love Kemba. I, 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 mean, I think I, he's I, one of the most loyal players in the NBA. He, he I was so happy for him that he made all but, NBA. but I would never say to the media that I would take less to stay he, in he definitely said it. Yeah. He said it in an interview Kemba and, uh, mistake I mean, it's, I don't think it's a mistake, right? Like, he could just say, actually, I want the max one during negotiation. So it's not really that big of a deal. Uh, I think he would be an interesting fit on the Lakers. Uh, I think they could certainly use that shot creation and his three-point shooting. And we've seen that model work for LeBron in Cleveland with Kyrie. Uh, it is not a foregone conclusion that Kyrie will go to the Nets either. I mean, looking at this Anthony Davis trade, maybe that brings Kyrie to L.A. where, you know, he indicated some earlier interest in signing with LeBron again. And then also wanting to play with AD. So, I mean, in theory, this is everything that Kyrie would have wanted with a team that actually has a slot for him. And part of the reason why this trade is so important for the Lakers is for that reason, it makes them a free agent destination. Absolutely. Because their front office is not making them a free agent destination. <laughs> but their so players certainly are. Players Maybe certainly. they should have LeBron James be their front office staff. Yeah, I mean, he's, certainly, be- he's certainly doing a better job than their current uh, front offices. I, I mean, I, he... Was the front office in Cleveland? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, but I mean, thinking about it, some of the other players I would consider for the Lakers, I don't think it's realistic, but I would love somebody like Malcolm Brogdon on them. But I think the fact that he's a restricted free agent will make it really difficult to get him. I I personally think Milwaukee's going to re-sign both Chris Middleton and Malcolm Brogdon for the sake of keeping young. Yeah, and uh, but you know, it makes it very difficult for them to get to keep Brook Lopez in that case. They'll have to do some other. Uh, the problem with Brooke Lopez is they don't have anything except nor they can only sign him to I think 120 of his last salary. It's not like they can actually they yeah. don't have bird rights on him or anything. They, so they, they have they to bring not. him up, and they have yeah. to bring him back under the the cap too. So in order to do that, they'll have to be creative. Uh, a I don't think I don't even think the full mid level will be enough to for other teams as well to sign Brooke Lopez given the amount of value that he has brought to the table this year. So with that in mind, I mean. It would be interesting if the Lakers brought back Brook Lopez after letting him walk, right? Uh, uh, but I mean, Brook Lopez fits so well on a lot of teams. The Lakers don't seem to be the team who uh, thinks forward. I mean, forward no, 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 not thinks forward, but like go go back on their uh, previous mistakes and redeem themselves. Uh, how good would D'Angelo Russell be right now on the Lakers? 
It would be really nice to it have would him, be, right? It would be pretty nice, but, you know, <laughs> after the way he left, and after... It's imagine, not going to happen, yeah. Yeah, it's imagine, about, imagine And, like, we did not get a chance to talk, have a podcast about this, but the Lakers were in sort of a mess with the entire Magic Johnson, you know, uh, uh, resigning very suddenly without telling Jeannie Buzz. I mean, it was a to, shit show. To, to, like, be him being on ESPN, him going first on take, first take. That was awesome. Before the um, Frank Vogel interview. By, by the way, Frank Vogel is a Lakers head coach, in case you did not know that. Oh. And Jason Kidd is an assistant. And, on- and their second assistant is Lionel Hollins. So this, oh. is, this is so funny, man. They have, like, this ultimate coaching trilogy. And I can just see this... Mid-season, if anything, Frank Vogel is fired. If, Jason Kidd becomes the head if, coach. If Jason anything, Kidd's fired. Lionel Hollins is the head coach. I, 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 just, I just want to say, if anything can co- torpedo the Lakers, it's this situation right here. <laughs> this front office coaching situation is incredible, man. This might be... We talk about storylines ruling the NBA. This is awesome. This is going to be such a fun year for the Lakers. I can't even wait. I see, like... The Washington Wizards are doing a better job in their GM slash president of basketball operations recruiting than the Los Angeles Lakers are. The Los Angeles Lakers should be the team who's offering $10 million to Masai Ujiri to take over their basketball operations. As much as The you Los get, Angeles you, Lakers should have been the team that is interviewing Tim Connolly for their president of basketball operations position. Absolutely. Instead, they decide to keep Rob Palenka, who is a pathological liar. <laughs> I don't know that I'd go that far, but... uh, He's a pathological liar. I'm not sure I'd go that far, but I will say that this situation has been entirely mismanaged by the Lakers. And this this seems like a a tinderbox waiting to be lit. So I'm deeply, deeply excited to see what the heck happens to the Lakers. Guys, or yeah, guys who can say the Lakers are LeBron James and Anthony Davis on the court. That's that's pretty much... Hey, and Kyle Kuzma. And, and, and that's pretty much don't what, give short shrift to Kyle Kuzma. Oh, okay, okay, I I, I won't. But uh, what what I was gonna say is this: the Lakers had no choice but to give up most of their assets for Anthony Davis. Oh yeah, well, because what else are they doing with that? And fr- yeah, frankly, the idea is if you have an opportunity to get a top five player, you do it no matter what. Yeah, you, you, and you actually, do. this is going back to the Celtics. This is why they should have made a Kawhi Leonard trade. Yep. You know what I mean? Like this is clearly why Jalen Brown that. is off the table. <laughs> My our Memphis unprotected pick is off the table for Kawhi Leonard. Uh, I mean, hindsight is twenty twenty. Of course, I will, but I will, I will when say you say that, but but what are what the last season showed, what Masai Ujiri showed, is that when you have an opportunity to get a top player, you take it because you never know what's going to happen. Maybe the best player on the other team hurts themselves. Maybe two or three of their players are hurt. And maybe somehow you sneak away into a championship. And, Raptors just showed you that it's possible. And I, I do not put asterisks in front of championships because, and we talked about this, Vikram, staying healthy is a skill. Hey, it's and luck, luck and health luck are skills. Are their skills? They're not just you know. We can say as much. Oh, the Warriors got hurt, and that's true, absolutely. But at the end of the day, they won three championships. I mean, they did. But what yeah. at the end of the day, here's what it says. It says the Raptors are the 2019 champions. Like that's what it says. 2018, 2019 NBA champions. It doesn't say, well, the runners-up were <laughs> the Warriors who were injured, and uh, yeah, and you know, in game in game four and game five, and then in game six, it doesn't say that. It doesn't say that Kevin Durant tore his Achilles. It doesn't say that Clay Thompson tore his ACL. And ten no, years they, from they, now, they're not going to remember that. Though there will be multiple thirty on thirties on that. Yeah, this this will be this entire saga will be well documented. And it will be interesting. I think one of the like uh, go, before we go back to the Lakers because they're fascinating. But I think one of the big things for the Warriors is going to be uh, can they a couple of years from now put together another championship run? And depending on the scenario, they may be able to. And it, it really depends on what Kevin Durant does. It depends on what they can surround the rest of their pieces with. But I still think a, a threesome, even without Kevin Durant, of Clay Thompson, an aging Clay Thompson, an aging Steph Curry, and Draymond Green can still be competitive in the NBA. So I, they I think they can still be competitive because of their playoff experience. Yeah, and, and you know, no Steph Curry and Klay Thompson are going to age pretty well, I suspect. And they have a chance to be, well, you know, like the Spurs. Yeah. I mean, we're there every single year. And, um, you know, we're, we're a force to reckon with, I, I, I guess. That, yeah, that's I mean, that's the hope, right, for yeah. us as Warriors fans, too, is to see, and as NBA fans, I think a good Warriors team made did make the league a lot of fun. Uh, but, you know, 
going back to the Lakers, who are now ostensibly the uh, the favorites for the NBA championship, which is amazing to me. Okay, what are they going to do with the rest of their depth? I I have no idea, man. I think uh, you know, I think they got a couple interesting pieces on their team still. I think bringing back Alex Caruso would be nice at the point guard spot, which I think they'll be able to. Excuse me, Alex Caruso, <laughs> great putback dunk, uh, probably the highlight of the year for him. I didn't even know he could dunk like that. I'll be uh, honest, but uh, okay, okay, man. Like, I, are I, we go? We're going real. We're taking some deep, deep takes right now when we talk about Alex Caruso on the pod. I mean, like he he definitely is one of the depth pieces that the Lakers are going to have to depend on because if depth, you're the Lakers, not have very much money. If you're the Lakers, where do you spend your money? Do you spend your money working on depth, or do you spend your money on another star? Well, I mean, you're definitely going to go for that star first. Yes, and you know whether it's Kemba or Chris Middleton or another player, I think would fit pretty well for them. Jimmy Butler, uh, and, and and Jimmy Butler is interesting because he he liked Instagram posts with uh, Anthony Davis and. Uh, LeBron James. Well, all the stars are connected to each other, so like I don't think we can take too much out of that, right? But, you, know, you know. But I actually think Jimmy Butler would be a really interesting fit for the Lakers. I know his shooting is less than optimal in terms of his his overall percentage, uh, but I think the one thing that he would allow the Lakers to do is uh, in the non-LeBron James minutes, you have another secondary pick and roll creator. If, if if Jimmy Butler could be another like Andre Iguodala for them, well, I think he's he's at, especially at this point in his career uh, meaningfully better on both ends of the floor uh, than Andre Iguodala has been in the past couple of years. And I think he's going to be able to play more than Andre Iguodala is. And I think offensively, he's certainly more talented than Andre Iguodala is. I, I don't know about in, in their primes who is better as an offensive player, but I do think, uh, I do think Jimmy Butler has more, more in his game than Andre Iguodala did offensively. But I think the big thing is that secondary pick and roll creating, uh, the ability to hit an, uh, an open three is nice. But the problem, I think, for the Lakers is really going to be lack of shooting again. Because as good as Anthony Davis and LeBron James are, they're both average-ish three-point shooters. And I think that's going to be problematic, especially if the other players on the team are not knocked down. And I think that's why the Kemba Walker-Kyrie Irving thing is so important. Because those guys are knocked down Especially if you're bringing Alex Caruso off the bench. Yeah, or players of that ilk, right? And like that's the problem. Alex Caruso is actually a pretty decent three-point shooter, too. But... You know, I mean, like when you're when you're dealing with that type of issue, I think that's going to be interesting to see what they can uh, what they can put around LeBron. I think we've successfully learned that surrounding him with playmakers is not the best idea. Shooting still matters, so I, I'd like for there not to be a repeat of the uh, Lance Stevenson and Rajon Rondo. Although Rajon Rondo might be a, a good backup point guard still for the Lakers, maybe, 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 maybe. I mean, I would not be opposed. For the right that. price. For the right price. For the right price. Absolutely. And yeah, again, I, like I would not be opposed to that, but the way minimum. last year ended. Definitely a minimum. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's all about who you can get on the minimums, man. And in fact, there might be a lot of players joining the Lakers on the minimum based well, on what has happened. There are so many I mean, free agents this year, right? There's there gonna are. be there are going to be a ton of players when the music stops. That there that there is no chairs. Like that's the problem I think right now is I think there are gonna be a lot of these types of players. Where I think the trend we're seeing in the NBA is the the good players are getting paid really really well. Who's who's the most underrated free agent class. to you? Most underrated free agent. Dude, there's there's a lot of them, but I think I think somebody like Kavon Looney, for example, is going to. I don't think he's going to get more than the minimum from for most teams. I think the Warriors are going to get him back really cheap. Actually, in fact, I think there are a lot of players like that where. An expectation of, of salary is just not going to work, especially the centers. I think the center market is going to be the most fascinating. I mentioned earlier that I think uh, Vucevic is going to be an interesting uh, inflection point in terms of what centers are going to be able to make now and in, in the next few years. So I think like those are the types of pieces that are, are going to be really interesting, and it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see where people sign, especially on the centers, and when they sign specifically. I think you have two options as a team. You either strike right at the beginning of free agency. Or you wait until the end and you just take whoever's left. I think the Lakers are going to do a combination of these two. I think they're going to strike early for their top target, whoever that might be. And if it was me, I'd, I'd seriously consider looking at, uh, you know, a Chris Middleton, a Kemba Walker, Kyrie Irving, you know, a guard that can really hit the three because that's what they need on their roster. Absolutely. But I think that there are going to be plenty of, uh, of interesting players for them, you know. And there are going to be some guys that they can absolutely take some you know some flyers on like the Furkan Korkmazes of the world 
you know, people who are knockdown shooters have other serious limitations, but that they can bring off the bench. I think like players like that, Joe Harris, if they could get him, but you know, his, his contract is fantastic. For the it, Nets. It, it is. There's no way the Nets give that guy up. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's rough. It's difficult because I think there are a lot of players that would be really useful for them. I think uh, where JJ Redick ends up, if the Sixers keep both Butler and Harris, and if Harris is available, is that somebody you target as the uh, as the Lakers? JJ Redick has only been for with the uh, with the Sixers two years, right? Yeah, so I mean they they uh, early bird. It's it's not even necessarily. It's a problem of being able to afford him, Butler, and Harris. Yeah, it depends on what they do for their. Uh, it depends on what they do with those guys, and if they if they bring both uh, Harris and Butler back, I have a hard time seeing how they'll keep Redick. I actually think Tobias Harris goes back to the Clippers. That would be awesome. Yeah. That would actually be really, really awesome if he was able to do that. I mean, here's the thing. If Harris leaves, would he consider going to the Lakers? Would the Lakers even want him with Kyle Kuzma being essentially you know, a worse version of him? He, he would be an interesting fit. Well, I, 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 think, I, think, I think he's a forward and the Lakers already have two of them. Unless AD is playing center, which is his best position, but he doesn't want to play it yeah, for whatever, for whatever reason. reason. Yeah, I mean, I mean, these the positions for the Lakers are going to be really, really nominal this year. I mean, is there really a problem with playing LeBron at point guard? Nope. Yeah, I, mean, I wouldn't have a problem with it. Yeah, I mean, it probably is his best position. Yeah, and then as long as you have a two that can defend point guards, you know, maybe that's what you do. Mm-hmm. I mean, actually, maybe retaining KCP is not the the worst plan in the world for the Lakers. But again, it's it's a strikeout plan if they don't if they're not able to use their cap space more effectively. Not not at his, not at his uh, rate last year. Oh no, of course not. Yeah. I don't think I don't think anybody's going to pay him that. Yeah. I mean, that uh, was a that was a nice clutch sports deal right there. Yeah, it it really really was and getting him to the Lakers was a nice clutch sports deal as well because didn't didn't Rich Paul Rich Paul was all over the place like a couple of days ago right and he basically said yeah, yeah the Celtics can trade for him but he's not going to stay there oh and, yeah yeah and I've never heard an agent come out and be as open as as Rich Paul but like we sort of gone off of the segue here I want to bring us back on track we talked about the ripple effect that the Warriors injuries had and the Lakers making their deal what type of ripple effect does do, does the Lakers making this deal have on the rest of the Western Conference? Does Denver give up some of their young pieces to go and trade for somebody, some important piece? Does What does Portland do? What does Houston do? I mean, I think for a lot of teams in the West, the thought has to be we can stay pat for most of them. And we were only X number of games away from making it. And now I don't think the Warriors are scaring anyone for next year. Uh, to be honest, I you talk about the West— I'm really interested to see what Kawhi Leonard's decision is going to be because now that he's won a championship, ostensibly he has pretty much an open road to the finals every year with what the Raptors are now because they can bring back almost the exact same team uh, with with some cost. But again, I think the Raptors are going to be willing to pay that cost. And like systemically, they're, they're able to bring back all of their players versus you look at the other teams in the East, the Celtics are you know falling apart for whatever reason. I think that their future is uncertain. Uh, the Sixers have a lot of free agent decisions along with what to do with Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. The Bucks are the one team. But again, the Bucks have to be able to retain all their talent, which at the very least, they're not going to be able to bring back all of their core pieces. I don't believe that they're going to. The only way to do that is they're going to have to do other cost-cutting moves to get rid of uh, to get rid of like Miritich and get rid of Ersan Ilyasova and get actually not get rid of Miritich because he's a free agent, but get rid of Ersan Ilyasova and other money on their books in order to even bring back like Brook Lopez. And that's not that's not even counting somebody like bringing back George Hill. So I think the the Bucks may be a good team next year, but I can't see them being better than they were this year. And so the Raptors seem to me to me to be the only team that's uh, going to survive this carnage. Maybe. And uh, if Kawhi Leonard leaves, well, it was a good ride. Yeah, absolutely. They won. They won a championship. They won a championship. Literally. Yeah. Does Masai Ujiri leave? Maybe. Maybe I mean I think there's some uh, personal reasons for him to move to DC, and so I think that was an actual reason why the the Wizards' job was what, appealing. What, what, wasn't that Tim Connolly, whose hometown is in Baltimore, really close? to Yeah, DC? I know that it was for Tim Connolly. I think Masai yeah. Ujiri has some connection there as well. I could be wrong about that, mm. but you know, unless Masai Ujiri is looking for another challenge, or the Lakers suddenly offer him twenty million, which because you can offer the, that position as much as you want, I would highly, highly highly recommend that the Lakers make an, uh, an unreal offer for somebody. It, it is appalling to me why the Lakers I have no idea. Not no idea. It makes no sense. 
And, and like credit to the Wizards, first of all, for for, for, doing, for doing this. this. Yeah. But they need some help, dude. They, they the Wizards, get, like they they have no hope though. They, and they, but they recognize they need help. Yeah, that's the first step. That's they, the first step. They, yeah. They're giving Masai Ujiri ten million dollars plus an ownership stake. Dude, I I would jump on that. But I mean, again, Masai Ujiri has been fantastic in every stop. So I'm really happy for him. I'm really happy for the Raptors. Uh, I think we're going to be really excited for for the next season and especially what's coming forward in the summer. So I'm super, super excited. Uh, I hope to see a a competitive... I think the NBA next year is going to be exceptionally competitive. I think that there's going to be a lot of parity amongst the teams, especially in the West, where, you know, with the weekend Warriors, I have no idea who the first seed is going to be anymore. None. Zero clue. And uh, on the East side, I'm really interested to see... And it depends very much on what Kawhi Leonard wants to do. You know, I, I think that this next season is going to be even more exciting. And given what we know uh, about what the Lakers did, uh, a team that made the playoffs in the West this year is not going to make the playoffs. Yeah. And uh, I guess it's only time will tell who who that will be. This got this has got to put a hamper on the Kings. Yeah, man, it yeah. sucks, man. And it sucks to be the Kings. That's it really uh, sucks. I. You know, they're they're going to have some interesting struggles, but I'm excited for the Kings. I, I don't think they should uh, resign Willie Cauley Stein. I think they should they should take a. Uh, a better center option, or not even necessarily better, but a cheaper one. I mean, and if Willie Cauley Stein does come cheap, yeah, then they, take him. They Absolutely, take him. Yeah. he's not. I mean, I'm certainly not saying Willie Cauley Stein is bad. It's just as he's not worth the money that he would want. I don't think. Who's missing the playoffs in the West next year? Oh my God! The Thunder. I... The Cl- well, the Clippers are probably going to make it. I think, yeah, but the Thunder are possible. The Clippers are possible. Yeah, I mean, even the Clippers have a lot of money in free agency, yeah. right? So but let's talk it, about them their targets are, are going they, down. They, their, their targets are going down, and they're going elsewhere, other places, rather. Yeah. And, I mean... Well, they were supposed to try and make an AD package. That didn't work. Yeah, it did not work. Probably because they didn't want to give up that number of picks. Yeah, because they're a smart front office. Yes. <laughs> because they, they, they probably said, hey, we let's can do not more leverage our future. Yeah. Let's not leverage our future completely on, on the back of one player. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, I mean... They're going to see... I mean, obviously, Kawhi Leonard, right? Winning the championship was probably bad for the Clippers, certainly, uh, in terms of their opportunity to, to get Kawhi Leonard. If they don't get Kawhi Leonard, I think they're, they're in for some trouble because it, doesn't, it looks like they're going to have money but no person who really wants it. And so then they're going to start going to the second-tier kind of free agents. And the problem is you've already had a Tobias Harris. You know what I mean? And now you're about to get a Tobias yeah, Harris. Yeah, I mean, I mean what, what better player are you going to get? For the Clippers, I mean, maybe a Jimmy Butler. At least they sold short and Tobias Harris, and that's that's really what uh, smart front front offices do. Yeah, I, I think that they're. I think they've made great decisions. I think Landry Shamet's going to be great for them. Uh, I think that backcourt of Shea Gilgeous Alexander. I love and, Shea. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I like that. I think that's a great young backcourt. I think Danilo Gallinari is still going to be fine. Uh, I mean, I think he's a sign and trade candidate if if there was such a trade to materialize. Uh, I think. There's some interesting targets for them. I really like that they have Montrez and Lou Will on like cheap contracts, relatively. Can you imagine them bringing like Julius Randle for the ultimate bruising front court, <laughs> bruising front court duo? And and they're the type of team to dig dig deep and and look at other options. Yeah, I mean, I yeah. think like those are some of the questions that I, I have. I don't know. I it is very possible that the Clippers fall out of the playoffs because you know, frankly, the Lakers are going to be better next year. I mean, you hope. It's totally possible that the Lakers really implode. <laughs> I think I think we're like, are the Lakers going to blow up? Or a, we need, seriously. There, there's no middle ground here, really. Dude, we need to go to Reno or to Vegas. And we need to put that bet down, dude. Against the, against against the, the Lakers, Lakers. Against the Lakers. 100%. I don't care. We need to hit the under. We, have to, we definitely need to hit the... Uh, See the, the the dangerous thing about Reno is sometimes or like or I guess Nevada gambling spots in general is sometimes they know more things than we do. Certainly, well, and, and they and, can't. They certainly can't predict if the Lakers are going to implode or not. I mean, they they, they cannot do that, but they can they can predict who they're going to get in free agency. Maybe given so. Sources. Yeah, but I'm not. I'm not even. Connected. I'm not really worried about that because at the end of the day, the product has to fit. And even if the even if the players have really good fit, like look at the Celtics last year, right? They imploded because of the personality of one of their players, right? Yeah. I mean, we have and, and no this time idea. It's the personality of their entire front office and their assistant coaching staff and, and their coaching staff, man. <laughs> I mean, like this is this is ridiculous. I know we we cannot get over how mismanaged this Lakers situation has been, but I mean, I, I will say this: 
give them credit for swinging at the fences. And in subsequent summers, they have landed the biggest pieces on the board, right? They've landed LeBron James and they've landed Anthony Davis in subsequent years. That does, they, that deserves some credit. They've put together a team that is capable of, of competing for a championship with just two players. And um, for people who are comparing this Anthony Davis trade to the Celtics oh Nets God. trade, that is very much false equivalency. They're not even close. That is false Anthony Davis is in his prime. He's not a post-prime KG in Paul Pierce. A shout out to Varun, by the way. Yeah, shout out to Varun. And KG. <laughs> yeah, I I mean, I think the Pelicans did as well as they could have. If the Lakers win one championship the next three years. Oh, this was worth it. It was worth it. Certainly. And I mean, their, their odds certainly have gotten better with the fall of the Warriors. I mean, they have as good a chance as anybody now to make it out of the West. The odds of every team have improved with the fall of the Warriors. Absolutely. Yeah. I think the Warriors are still like 7th or 8th in terms of championship odds for next year right now. Which is kind of impressive to me. I'm like, how is that even possible? Did this did this playoff series teach you nothing? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it'll it, it'll depend on what the Warriors do with their that taxpayer mid level, dude. And it's only are we guy. kidding? I, I, it's like five points some odd. I'm, 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 I'm not saying they're going to win the championship. They're not. There, there's no. I'm talking about making the playoffs for them. I mean, I think Steph Curry alone can make you the playoffs. Frankly, we'll see. Dude, Steph Curry alone, Steph Curry plus, you know, banged up team was was able to be within like eight points of a Raptors squad in a, in a finals. He, he, he's always been on teams where they had a lot of depth or they had a lot of stars. Well, this time he's going to be on a team without depth and no stars. And no stars. So we'll, we'll see. Well, we'll and see a couple it. stars, we'll say. Yeah. And uh, there, are, there are definitely have a couple interesting guys on the market for the, for the Warriors. I mean, there's a couple interesting guys for everybody. Yeah. I'm excited to see what happens, but, you know. I think, uh, is that what we got for the episode? Yeah, that, that is pretty much what we got for this episode. So, yeah, we, we cannot wait for the draft next week. Absolutely. And, We're uh, so ready. And uh, we cannot wait to see... Yeah, that's it. I mean, that's yeah. pretty, pretty, pretty the much draft, it. If, if there's any more breaking news, we'll try to bring you guys an episode to uh, talk yeah. about that. And, and more trades, too. I mean, yeah, yeah. trades. The trade market's going to be awesome. Just because we're in the moratorium period does not mean trades don't happen. They do. They're just not official. Exactly. So Deal reached. You know, that's all that really matters. Yeah. And so we will bring you those updates if and when they come. And uh, we cannot wait to bring you guys an episode next week. Please do subscribe to the Ballistic Podcast on Apple Podcasts and Google Play. And this was as exciting for us as we hope it was for you to listen to. So yep. for, for, for Vikram, I'm Guru. We'll, we'll talk to you guys soon. Yep. Have a good night, everyone. And remember, email at ballisticpodcast at gmail.com. For questions. Or anything, literally. We'll answer any questions or concerns or topics that you want to talk about. And we'll talk to you guys soon. Have a good night.